0: Good morning, West Bulls. My name is Brian Burns, and I am an elder here at the, at the church. Um, and as Charity mentioned, today is Pastor Nathan's birthday. But what she didn't tell you is this is his 40th birthday. And given that it was such a special birthday, I called Nathan up and I said, Nathan, buddy, what do you want for your birthday? And his reply was quick. He said, a day off. Thank you. So, That's why you have me here today. It serves me right for asking the question. So happy birthday, Nathan. Don't worry, he'll be back next week, and I'm sure he'll have way more wisdom now that he's 40. Well, I don't know about you guys, but all this time at home uh, lately with the the stay-at-home order has given us the opportunity to do some things that we don't normally get to. For instance, this week, we went through a box that we had not touched or seen in over 25 years, and in fairness, it was a box that was actually at my mom's house that we didn't even know existed, and she called us and and told us that she had found this box, so I went over and picked it up. And as I began to go through it, one of the first things I pulled out was this beauty right here. It's a picture of me and my wife, Courtney, when we were in high school, when we were just dating. And as I pulled this picture out and kind of smiled, admiring it, my two older kids, Riley and Ava, who were both in high school, came over too. And they began to look at the picture with me. And I kind of showed it off to them. And right away, my son Riley says to me, man, mom looks older than you and better. And I look over at him and before I can say anything, Ava chimes in and says, yeah, dad, you look kind of like you were a dork. Were you a dork in high school? Before I can answer her, Riley comes back in and says, yeah, Dad, you totally dated up. And as I stared at them, it was like they were perplexed of why I would take offense to what they just said. And Ava's like, what? I wasn't trying to rip you. You look better now. And it's like, oh, thanks, Ava. And, and Riley followed up and said, yeah, I mean, maybe it's the beard. Maybe you just look better with a beard. I don't know, Dad. So what I learned from that conversation is, one, apparently I was a dork in high school. Two, I had no business dating Courtney. And three, my face looks much better if hidden by hair. Nothing like our children to keep us humble. And I guess when I think back to high school, I remember it differently. I think at the time, I thought I was looking pretty good. As a matter of fact, I think I thought that Courtney was a pretty lucky girl. And I have to admit, as I look at this picture now, if I could send myself back in time to have a conversation with my younger self, I think I would tell myself, one, don't let Courtney see any other guys, and two, get down on your knees and thank God every night that you landed her, because I, apparently I was kind of a dork in high school. Well, the point of that is that my perspective now, looking back in the rearview mirror, is different than how I felt at the time. And why do I tell you this story? Because we've been going through a sermon series here where we're looking at a letter that Peter wrote in the latter part of his life. And we see that he's able to look at his life through the rearview mirror and offer advice that has a better perspective than what he had when he was younger. His advice later in life was undoubtedly different than how he felt or how he acted earlier in life. Today, the scripture we're going to read about is him telling us about submission. And we know that he had a different perspective about submission than what we're going to read about today. Because Peter was a guy that did not like to submit, just like most of us. And we know this because, if you remember, Peter is the disciple that pulled out his sword on the day that Jesus was arrested. On that night that Jesus was arrested, Peter was the one that pulled out the sword and he struck out at one of the men that were there and he cut off his ear and he would have kept going except for Jesus told him to stop and to put his sword away. Peter had no inclination of submitting to the authorities that night. He's also the disciple that right before then had actually rebuked Jesus when Jesus had foretold of what was going to happen to him. Peter didn't like the sound of that. And he didn't like Jesus trying to submit to that. And he certainly wasn't going to submit to that. So he rebuked Jesus. See, we know that Peter was a guy just like us that didn't like submission. And there's a good reason why. Because most of us, when we think of submitting to someone else, we feel like we're giving up part of ourselves. We're putting ourselves in captivity to someone else or to someone else's ideas. It's like we think... Submission equals captivity. And what Peter did not know in his younger age, what he learned later in life, is a truth that I hope all of you can walk away with today. And that's that submission to God provides freedom, not captivity. Submission to God actually provides freedom, not captivity. And what we'll see is that submission does something for all the relationships in our lives. It does something for God, it does something for us, and it does something for others. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter 2, where you can follow along on the screen here. We're gonna start at verse 13. It says, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Then continue in verse 16, it says, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the King. So the first question we're gonna tackle today here is what does submission do for God? And the answer is that it builds his name instead of fighting for ours. Did you hear how the scripture started? The first words of the scriptures were, for the Lord's sake. And it's so easy to blow past those words and start focusing on the rest of that scripture because it becomes almost offensive to us. We're supposed to submit to all human authorities. Are you crazy? I don't want to submit. My son Riley works at McDonald's and so I get all sorts of stories about how people resist authority and how they resist rules. Just the other day there was a guy that came through the the drive-through and he ordered uh, some food along with uh, a chicken sandwich and when he got up to the window Riley handed him his food and the man looked through, looked at the sandwich and said this is wrong. This is a crispy chicken sandwich and I ordered a grilled chicken sandwich. And Riley was quick to apologize. I'm so sorry, sir. Uh, we, we misunderstood you. No problem. I'll get you another sandwich right now. And the man looked at him and irritated and said, well, I don't want this one. So here. And Riley explained that they had a rule in place right now. They're not allowed to take food back into the store after it goes out because of all the COVID stuff. And so he said, sorry, sir, I can't take that. Well, the man was even more irritated and said, well, I don't want it. And Riley said, I understand, there's a trash can right up that way. Once you're pulling out, you can just throw it in the trash can on your way out. No charge, of course, for that sandwich. Well, the man just sat there, stared at him, and was just stewing. And so Riley left, went and got the other sandwich, came back, handed the man the sandwich, and the man looked at it, made sure it's correct, and said, oh yeah, by the way, this other sandwich, this crispy chicken sandwich, this one is not my problem, and proceeded to throw it through the drive-through window and drove away. And when Riley told me this story, I was just blown away. I was like, are you serious? But then I took a step back and said, you know, it really is believable because we're seeing stories like this in the news right now. I think most of us saw the story about uh, the man that was shot, the security guard that was shot at the dollar store because he was requiring that someone wear a mask. See, this scripture that we just read here today, it's really relevant given the time that we're in right now. We're in the unprecedented time where we are being loaded down with rules and authorities. We're being forced to stay home. We're being forced to wear face masks. We're being forced to cancel travel plans. We're being forced to close businesses. The list goes on and on. And people are getting frustrated. They don't like submitting to authority like this. And Christians, they're not any different. We all get frustrated too, and that's why it's so important that we pay attention to the first parts of, those, of this scripture. Because we can get so wrapped up in what the rules are, or who the authority is, that we forget what this scripture says. It says, for the Lord's sake. See, it's reminding us who we're doing it for. We're not doing it for the authorities. We're not doing it for the rules. I know for me, it makes it much easier to submit to the rules and authorities around me if I first stop and say, I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for the Lord's sake. It makes it much more tolerable. And we might be tempted to stop and say, you know what? I know Peter wrote this. I know what he said, but he doesn't know the times we're living in today. He would never tell us to do this if he knew what we were having to endure. Well, at the time that Peter wrote this, where he wrote the words, respect the king, the king was Nero. And if you don't know who Nero is, it wouldn't take you long to do a quick search about him. Nero was the emperor at the time, and he made a sport of persecuting Christians. It says that he would hunt Christians down, and when he would capture them, he would feed them to dogs. Or, he would nail them to crosses. Or, one of his favorite things to do is he would light them on fire and use them as evening lights. There is no doubt that Peter submitted, not because the people around him were righteous, not because the authorities were right, or the rules were fair. He did it for one reason. And he tells us in the scripture, he did it for the Lord's sake. He submitted because he knew by doing it, it would show the authorities that he served a God that was ultimately in charge of his life. He submitted because he was more interested in building God's name than fighting for his own. See, our submission does do something for God. And as we continue to read on, we get to ask the next question, what does our submission do for us? And the answer is that it helps us live in peace versus living for what's fair. If you keep reading in the Bible here, it starts in uh, verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He's your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. Now I'm going to stop there for just a minute because this chapter, Peter addresses all the relationships we have in our lives. He talks about the relationship we have with God. He talks about the relationship we have with our government or our authorities. He talks about the relationship we have with our bosses or the workplace. He talks about our relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. He even talks about the relationship we have with our spouses and our families. And in all those relationships, he says the same command. Submit. Submit. And then in this scripture right here, it tells us why. It gives us the reason why we should do this. Because God called us to. And more than that, it's what Jesus did. See, we're told over and over in scripture that we are to imitate Jesus. In this scripture right here, it tells us to follow his example. And if there's one thing we can say about Jesus is that he lived a life submitting to others. That's what he did. So in turn, that's what he calls us to do. It reminds us in the scripture that Jesus did not retaliate or threaten revenge when he was wronged. He didn't try to to figure out how to make things right or to make things fair in his life. He left it up to God and he trusted that God was a much better judge than anyone else. I came across this article in Psychology Today, it's not a Christian article, but it's talking about the effects that revenge has on us. And here's what it says. It says, we often believe that exacting revenge is a form of emotional release and that getting retribution will help us feel better. Movies often portray the act of revenge as a way of gaining closure after a wrong. But in fact, revenge has the opposite effect. Even though the first few moments feel rewarding in our brain, psychological studies have found that instead of quenching hostility, revenge prolongs the unpleasantness of the original offense. Instead of delivering justice, revenge often creates a cycle of retaliation. And we know this, don't we? Have you ever been around someone that's just always out for revenge? That's always trying to prove his point or her point? Have you ever been that person? where you're trying desperately to get back at someone Who wronged you because what they did was not fair and so you're trying to settle that score. I know I've been that person and I can tell you firsthand that it leaves you feeling empty and it's exhausting. There's no reward at the end of it. There's no satisfaction that comes from it and that's where Peter's words can help us understand what we get from submission. As we continue on in verse 24, he said he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11. Verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And therein lies what we get from practicing submission. We get peace. We get rest. See, Jesus, even though he endured a lot of trials on this earth, He lived a life of peace because he surrendered. He submitted to God's will and he put it in his hands and didn't worry about it anymore. And he offers us that same incredible gift that we're able to submit to him and live a life of peace and rest. And our human nature, it it fights against this because we've we perceive submission as almost a punishment. But once you experience the peace that comes from releasing all that baggage, from no longer worrying about trying to get even with someone, about trying to, be, to find fairness in, our, in your life, of being the judge yourself, once you can release that, you realize the peace and the rest that comes from submission. It's not a punishment, it is a gift. And so we see here that our submission provides us with an unbelievable gift of peace and rest. And as we continue on here, we begin to read and ask the question, what does our submission do for others? And the answer is it makes them aware of their captivity and it gives them the key. We continue on here in verse 12, it says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Then in verse 15, it says, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. And in verse 17, Respect everyone and love the family of believers. And finally, Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, "...in the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives." The point that Peter's making through this entire scripture is that people are watching you. And that might sound really creepy, but it's the truth people are watching us. And the fact of the matter is that our actions, the way we live our lives, the kind of people that we are and that they can see is much more impactful than just our words. And it can point people to God. When I thought of that, I thought of my mama, and that is Southern for a grandma, just in case you're wondering. She lived in Louisiana for for many, many years until just recently. And throughout those years, we went out and saw her a number of times. And I was always amazed about how excited my kids would get about going on this long road trip in the middle of summer to Shreveport, Louisiana. But they loved it. They would just look forward to this trip. And I, I remember I once asked my daughter Ava, I was like, why is it you get so excited to go see Momma?" And it took her just a few seconds to answer. And I remember the answer to this day. What she said was, well, because when I'm around her, I just feel better about myself. And I thought, yeah, that's true. You see, my mama has a servant's heart. She's always caring about you. She seems to overlook any of your faults and always look for the good in you. It's like she can see the best that you could be. And I love that about my mama. And when you're around her, you just tend to feel good about yourself. See, servants, people that submit their will to others, they have a huge impact on those that watch them and that those that are around them. In this set of scripture, we're told that unbelievers will ultimately give honor to God just by watching a submissive person a person, a servant heart. When unbelievers are around people that are truly submissive, they take notice because it's so unusual. It's so uncommon. And it makes you feel good to be around them. A submissive servant heart can help those watching see that living for yourself, the way the world teaches us to achieve freedom, is actually captivity. And that submission to God provides freedom. This actual notion of submitting to God is what provides freedom. And it isn't just strangers and unbelievers that are watching us. Those closest to us are watching us. Our kids, oh man, are our kids ever watching us. And it's the world's logic that we need to make sure that no one ever gets an upper hand on us. We need to resist authority, take charge, because submission equals weakness. But that's not what Jesus taught us. That's not the way Jesus lived his life. And he calls us to something different. So West Bowles, may we be a church full of people that choose to be submissive to others for the Lord's sake because we want to build his name, not fight for ours. And may we lay down our desire for revenge and fairness and in exchange get the sweet gift of peace and rest. And may our servant hearts speak so loudly that others can simply watch and see that it is the key to freedom. Go ahead and pray with me now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this lesson that you give us here today. That no matter how hard and difficult submission may seem, it's what you call us to do. And that by doing it you give us such a reward, a reward of peace. Help us to lay down our own desires and know that you are a God that is the most fair judge we can ever imagine. We can't even compete with the way that you judge this world. We pray that we put our will into your hands, Lord. Thank you so much for that incredible gift. Help us to be servants in this world and at this time where it's needed so badly. Thank you so much for this church family here, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. West Bulls, have a great week. And rest assured that Pastor Nathan will be back up here next week. And we're going to go ahead and close with another song. Have a great week.